What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Alternative Blacks podcast. We're almost done here with the series of the non-whiteness of beer. So before we get into any of this, I am your host, Tyler Washington, joined with Chris Kissinger, as always. So we discussed a couple places already in this uh, series. Uh, Can you quick recap what we've talked about? Yeah, so uh, we've discussed... Most recently, Mesopotamia. We've discussed China. We have discussed uh, South America. And we're going to wrap it up with the biggest, most most diverse (laughs) area of the world that we've done thus far, Africa. Right. We had to kind of save the best for last, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or, or the most cumbersome right. <laughs> for yeah, last exactly. because uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if anyone knows this, but Africa is not a country. It's actually a continent full of a diverse array of ethnic groups and people. I'm learning something already. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are probably blown away right now. Like, wait, what? <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> That's awesome. So before we get into beer, I actually have a couple of announcements that I want. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint you, Chris. Uh, I got a couple of announcements I want to make before we get into the meat and potatoes, as it said, of this episode. Uh, Firstly, after our next episode, we are going to be taking our first break. We're, We're going to take some time to regroup and we're going to be coming back with season two after 51 some episodes. So uh, 51 it's a hell of a season right it's a long season i don't think we'll ever have a season as long as that but we got a new format we got some new ideas and maybe by the time we come back we will have some new people on the team so we're really excited about that that should be uh, good but we'll be back in august after the next episode so we'll have like one episode in june that will drop and then we're still going to be going live so you can always catch us there We have archives of our old lives that will be coming out uh, for you to watch as well or listen to. You can always watch them on our Instagram channel, but you can just listen to them uh, wherever you are listening to podcasts, I'm assuming, because that's what this is. (laughs) I thought I had another announcement. What was the other announcement? Oh, we're not doing the sample game. That's right. (laughs) It's completely lost. (laughs) Like what? It's like I should have show notes or something. Ah uh, yes, we have show notes. Well, we have notes, just not show notes. notes. I I just am uh, I'm very bad at putting my notes correctly into them. Uh, so no sample game anymore on our regular episodes. We will start doing them more because uh, we do them from time to time on our lives, but we haven't been really consistent with that all the time because I usually forget. <laughs> and so we're going to be doing that more consistently, uh, so you can be a little more interactive with it as well. So. You can always catch us there live or listen to it uh, when it repeats just to catch the sample game because I know y'all love it. Like we do. So before we get into the non-whiteness of beer, a quick history of beer in Africa. Beer. (laughs) Before we get into the non-whiteness of beer with beer in Africa, beer. (laughs) That's right. Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking. I'm going to just, I forgot to take the uh, price tag off. It is Lotus Wandering in the Fog, double 
IPA by Abomination Brewing. And there's the uh, there's the can right there. It's uh, it's double dry hopped, I believe. Double dry hopped with lotus. Uh, and it's thick. Ah, and that's all I know. I like it. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's like a that's just like a really good like hazy IPA, just like really solid. I can't really uh, say that anything stands out in particular. It's just a really good beer, and it is eight point six percent. So we're starting off slow today. Well, maybe I am because I am drinking. It's a collaboration between Wellworks Brewing Company and Bottle Logic Brewing. It's called Science. It's a sour wheat ale uh, brewed with raspberry, blueberry, toasted coconut, and vanilla. And while you might be 8.6, I am 4.8. <laughs> the way you the color. The way you said, I am 4.8. Yep. It's the Wait, uh, approval, you know. Was that from Tavor? It was. It was from Tavor. Like a while back? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was my sour pack that I got. I'm, I have these two that I will be drinking, which I'll probably save one for that wrap-up episode. Spoiler alert. We're recording the same day. Um, breaking the fourth wall, Tyler. I know. Just looking out through their headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But I only have like four beers left. So thankfully there's a uh, beer box coming this week. It should be here Wednesday through Friday. So I forgot I started filling a box like last week and I haven't been adding to it. And then I got a an email this afternoon. It's like, congratulations, your box sent. I'm not too broken up about it because it's probably just going to get destroyed on the way here and I won't <laughs> have it anyway. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's only seven beers. Seven individual, no, 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 six individual beers, four, four individual beers, six total cans. Okay. That was fun. Tell me more about your beer. Like you said, it was just all right. Uh, the more I have it, the more I like it, but the more I realize it's not really standing out. So with that, I would probably go with either a three seven five to a flat four. Like it's really good. You know what? There is a little bit of this like freshness from the lotus, just kind of, kind of, is slightly more unique than I would say. But it doesn't really hit you that hard, and it's just hazy IPA, basic hazy IPA. Um, even even as it's double dry hopped, it's not even giving that like punch right. that a double dry hop can give you. But um, I mean, it's given the thickness that a double dry hop will give you. So there's that. Yeah, there's that. Uh, I don't mind this sour. It's a sour wheat ale, which I, I think is actually doing a lot for it. I, I think the wheat element is helping it be less tart. And same with the vanilla. I think that's like uh, really balancing out that beer and allowing you to explore more of the complexity that exists in terms of the flavor profiles. Cause I find like, well, I find like sometimes sours, <laughs> if it's too sour and tart, like you might get oh, yeah. one flavor that stands out and it's just like, 
I, I can't even understand what else is going on here. It's just sour patch at that point. Right. But this is uh, pretty balanced out. I'm not crazy about toasted coconut. Um, no, that's not. Yeah, that's not jumping out really to me at, at all. But the raspberry blueberry mix with the vanilla, I think um, pretty, pretty incredible. And I almost said all of that to give it like a three, seven, five. So I'm giving <laughs> it a four, five. <laughs> Because I was just like hearing Wait, three, my seven, inner five thought. is like three seven five is like a five for a lot of people in your in your book, right? And so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it that four five. I, I actually thoroughly hold on, really hold on, though. You, that. you went from three seven five to four five. I'm trying to be better. I am trying to show love and compassion to these beers rather than being the asshole that I usually am. Love and compassion to these beers? What are you talking about? First of all, you didn't even say, and then wheat. And it's a wheat beer with with fruit in it. So you're already off to a horrible start. And then you like were trying to weave in all of this, like all of these big words, trying to I sound thought I did eloquent. A good review. It was it was a great review. And you go, ah, eh, well, I was gonna give it a three seven five anyway. And I was like, well, there's Tyler. <laughs> and you're like, ah, eh, you know what? I talked about it a lot, so four five. I thought you would at least. I could see jumping to a four, maybe even as high as a four two five, but all the way to a four five. All right, you talk me down to a four two five. <laughs> there we go. I'm gonna go solidify that right now as we as we record this on Untapped. Follow us on Untapped. Follow us, yes. Follow us, please, please. No link, uh, link in the bio. <laughs> <laughs> link in the bio. Comment down below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You can cash app Tyler. You can cash app Tyler, which once again is not. It, it's it's not a uh, shady at all. I I don't I don't think so. I think more people should cash app Tyler. And every time we have this conversation, I feel like you are discouraging people from cash apping Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> have have has has your cash app gone up? Has it blown up since we? No, uh, and I uh, I think it's your fault. It's it's all my fault. I got it. I, I see I see where the loyalties lie now. As long as you understand. <laughs> that was my 855th unique check-in and 960th overall. So how close are you to 1,500? Oh, you know what? I've been doing terrible. I am only at 1,235 unique beers. I've been doing terrible. I'm only at a, I'm only at twelve hundred beers. The goal was to hit two thousand at the end of the year. Wow. Yeah, you're gonna have to uh, put in my life's work. Seriously. Now, granted, I do this really terrible thing and go on a spree of not checking in. Oh yeah, I'm horrible with that. When I'm just sitting alone with like a six pack, I usually go. I'll check that in on like when I, I have the last one or something right. and I just never do it. I feel like they need, and this would be like incredibly difficult. I'm assuming to, to create and probably would make the cost of beer go up. But like one of those like 
codes, like not a code, but like, you know how you can use your phone to like purchase beer now? I just like tap it. I feel like the beer should be like, like a qr code for untapped where like yeah. you qr it and all the info it like comes up wow. and all you have to do is throw your rating in and put the personals on it i guess the qr of... code was the easier way for me to do this yeah. i was just like yeah every time i sit down next to a beer it should be like rate me rate you okay rate rates right. with the t anyway we are getting as wow. usual really off track <laughs> Well, we're not though, because we're talking about beer and beer ingredients, and 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 we're also talking about how we we have here you and I probably have two of like the most saturated market styles right now, right? I have a double dry hopped double IPA from the New England area. This oh, so is actually, they're out of they're out of Connecticut. Wow! So it is a New England. Well, no, it's double dry hopped. It's not New England style, but it is technically an IPA from New England. So it is a New England IPA, I suppose. Uh, and you have a sour, a fruited sour. And we've waxed poetic many times during this series, even on how oversaturated the beer scene is in America with certain styles. And everyone can kind of put their small spin on the styles, but there isn't so much of the beer that's going to even like push the envelope on what a beer actually is. Right. Which is why we're doing this whole series in the first place. I was like, wow, that's, this is a really good segue. Like Chris, like just masterfully like, was like, so this is why we're going to talk about beer in Africa. (laughs) Exactly. This is exactly why we're going to talk about beer in Africa because over quarantine, over one of our lives, we we've talked about, um, Mkumboti. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I always say it like a question. I always mm-hmm. go Umkumboti because I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I, I think I am. But uh, shout out to Raj uh, for the uh, introduction into that from Oak Park out in Sacramento. Uh, but we 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 kind of looked into that over quarantine, and you know, it's a traditional beer using sorghum. Uh, and millet, which you don't see very often in beers here, mostly because these are these are grains and plants that are found in Africa, not in North America. Uh, but to push the envelope of beer, a lot of craft beer here will try to go and get some, you know, quote unquote, exotic ingredients to make a beer out of and try to spin and pull and push at what a beer can be. And there's just this whole wide array of different types and styles that could be pushed into that really isn't because everything is off of the one branch of the tree that happened to come from Europe. And so that's why we want to talk about Africa today and it's interesting. It's like almost every one of these beers has like the same makeup. But if you if you looked into some of these uh, articles, like so many different brewing processes, these traditional old world processes that have been handed down through generations 
and they're all slightly different. Some of them are very different, but they're all using the exact same ingredients. Uh, so I, I found that very, very interesting just before we kind of jump off. Uh, but generally you'll see uh, millet and sorghum. That, that's usually the two big, big uh, things you'll see in the base of any of these traditional beers. Uh, with uh, sorghum is like a grass. So it would p- basically be in place of like the wheat that might be used. Uh, wheat or barley, you know, millet is a, one of the, those are both ancient grains. I know, but I, I don't know why something's called an ancient grain. Is it just because it comes from, you know, Africa or Mesopotamia or something like this? Uh, do you know that? Do you know the answer to that question? No, but I can find out. <laughs> our uh, our correspondent in the field, Google, is gonna help us out on that one. Um, but to get into it, uh, yeah, I guess so. Oh yeah, go ahead. L- L.A. Times, basically from 2011, said, "Ah, yes, know, L.A. Times grains such as quinoa, spelts, kamut are called ancient because they've been around unchanged for millennia. So it's just basically unchanged. Oh, so literally, like literally, it means ancient. Right. It's just like, <laughs> how have you not grown?" Have you, how 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 have humans not taken you and completely just changed you over into something that's not even you anymore? Sounds very human, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, that's what it really comes down to. I mean, one, it's really cool that these recipes are including these grains um, because it kind of it kind of uh, speaks to how old some of these recipes might be or how old some of these traditions might be, uh, especially because, uh, you know, as we'll see, we had a lot of dates last time mm-hmm. and in our other episodes, a lot of, a lot of uh, speculated dates, especially with Mesopotamia, a lot of discourse around how old are these uh, brewing techniques? How old are these drinks? And it's it's the complete opposite here. I mean, there's like next to no information on exactly how old, just that it's ancient and it's a tradition that's been passed down through centuries. And really, I think, I think why that's really interesting is like when, as I've done like history of like rap music and hip hop and like the like, oh yeah, it was like late seventies, early eighties or whatever you might say in terms of like coming out of New York and everything, but like looking into like even African influence on how that music style came to be. It's like that oral tradition of things like telling a story, which was often told to like a drum beat or something like that, that help with like recollection and be, Oh yeah, I remember this story because this is the beat that we always use for the story. Right. Um, And I, I think that kind of, goes back to speaking about like, oh, here's this process of making this beverage. And it was just kind of handed down orally from generation to generation. And what happens with that is you do lose that element of like uh, history, anthropology or whatever, like you, you lose that element of it. And so when we do speak about traditional 
brewing and we talk about all of this stuff, uh, I, I find maybe that's why we tend to not discuss some of these other cultures and traditions is because they don't have the same way of like recording history as other civilizations. And for some reason we just value other civilizations over others. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, writing it down on paper is permanence and that paper, if kept can survive forever. Whereas a person cannot, um, and you know, the, the old African poets, the griots, mm-hmm. you know, that they kept all the knowledge of their people and the stories of their people and passed it down. And there's that saying that, uh, you know, when, when a griot dies, it's like a whole library has been burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the issue is they're, they are going to die. It's inevitable. And, if some outside influence were to come in and change that, or even inside influence changes the gravity of the traditions, all of a sudden you lose those thousands and thousands of years of knowledge and experience. Or in this case, a lot of that's still coming down, but it's not written down in a way that it's going to, you know, be able to be dated. You can look at a piece of paper and say, oh, this was, we could, we've analyzed this paper. This pa- this was written in, you know, 2000 BC. And then you could say, okay, well, we know it's at least this old then. You can't do that with these traditions. Time, people kept time differently throughout history is one big issue and the Romans like to fuck with the calendar. So who, who even knows what year this really is? So, you know, there's, there's, there's issues, there's issues with dating things like that. Um, but the fact that these traditions have survived this long mm-hmm. is, is a real testament to, uh, you know, the traditions themselves uh, in Africa and kind of the perseverance that a lot of these uh, groups of people have considering the history of Africa in, you know, the 18, 1900s, 1700s, all that leading, you know, leading up to present day. So it's, it's really cool to see a lot of these traditions still being performed. And uh, once again, it's, it's the women in the, in the society that are doing the brewing and these are traditional recipes passed down through generations. Which is still like the thing with me. It's when you look at least in the craft beer culture that exists in America, it's, it's quite the opposite that you, that you see. And I wonder where that disconnect comes from. Cause even like, even mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in the day in America, like women were brewing beer more. Yes. But once again, when it comes to household tradition, brewing it for, mm, okay, you know, the for as a cultural thing, under under the name of a deity, maybe as it was in Egypt or Mesopotamia or China, same same thing, um, or South America, same thing. 
when profit becomes part of it, now all of a sudden the the women are still physically doing it, but it's actually run by the men. So what we I'm see hearing, that quite often. What I'm hearing is we need to make beer more religious in America. Okay. If you ever no. <laughs> if you ever misquote me like that again, we don't need to make anything more religious in America. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Way to go. Way to make it religious. Why you gotta bring why you gotta bring Jesus into this? Right. right. Uh, uh go ahead. I was about to say go ahead too. See, we're we're right here. Uh, I just wanted to get into this quick quote uh, from one of the articles, uh, basically kind of trying to date these these beers in Africa. Uh, and it goes, uh, African cereal beers made from sorghum, millet, maize, etc. Maize is corn or, or a corn uh, like relative. So African cereal beers have ancient origins. They may have originated in Egypt or Mesopotamia where beers were being produced by at least 3500 BC and probably much earlier. And that was, uh, that's a quote from 1981 there. Um, as we've, uh, as we've talked about in our earlier episodes, it's dated closer to maybe four to 5,000 BC and quite possibly much earlier than that even uh so the big highlighted point here though is the first mention of sorghum or millet beer uh come from the arab travelers who in the sixth and seventh centuries praised the merit of beer manufactured in the sahel region uh in particular the marissa beer of sudan which we'll get into which is still being produced today um, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, current social impact with that particular beer, uh, that kind of highlights what the social issues going on in Sudan, uh, which I found pretty interesting, but, uh, here, here, here's, a, here's an article trying to come up with some type of dating for it. Uh, we know from our last episode that the Egyptians were brewing. Uh, and that most likely the Egyptians were introduced to beer by the Mesopotamians. And that kind of gives you a date of, uh, you know, a general date of where, when it got introduced into Africa and then probably, you know, disseminated from there. Mm -hmm. But all in all, that is basically all we have in terms of a date, which is the real sad thing. And, and one of the other articles I was reading um, I think it was on the the Marissa beer uh, was saying, you know, the, the, the person who wrote this article actually went to Africa and tried to do the research and learn about uh, all types of fermented foods, not just beer, all fermented foods in general. And she said basically that, you know, there is no dating system because no one has really given an honest attempt at a dating system, you know, to even try. So it's possible that we could know in the future, but that, could, that, that really, that, that really like stuck out to me because it kind of highlights the fact that 
Africa and its local and in indigenous, for lack of a better word, history and culture is kind of set on the back burners in a lot of this in, mm -hmm. in favor of, uh, whatever we want to put, whatever type of spin of history we want to put on a situation in Africa. That really stood out to me. Uh, the fact that we don't have a date for a lot of this. Right. And I think a lot of it, again, big reason I pushed for this season, the season I'm thinking ahead, uh, the series to be done was because hearing so many different like variations of, beer history being told is like beer as we know it uh you know german english you know and then like the american craze and like all this kind of stuff tend to stop right before the history in like mesopotamia like africa all these other places and it's because i think it's much easier for historians and people writing these articles and doing this research to be like okay, cool. If we start here with these dates, we can talk about this rather than there's all this information that hasn't been documented very well or like gathered in these areas. And rather than try to put in all this legwork, let's just focus over here. Right. I think it comes down to a bit of one, there is a, there is actually a sense, there is actually like a a lack of information in comparison to say other civilizations mm -hmm. with written documents and whatever. The other issue is kind of world history. And we'll get into that kind of at the end um, with the Romans and, and the Greeks and they're, they're dabbling in Africa uh, as it were, but uh, uh, just, just to kind of run down a list just to kind of give our listeners like the the vast plethora plethora the vast plethora that doesn't make sense the the vast rolodex of of beers in africa like i said most of these are sorghum millet or maize uh but they're all slightly different and we don't have all of the identifying uh characteristics of each of them necessarily but each culture each tribe each ethnic group they're all going to have their different spin on a similar drink um or it's the same drink and they just call it something different so we're just going to go through this this long list of things and we'll you know we'll hit with certain things harder than others, depending on the type of information that was available. Um, I, d I definitely think there was far, there, there's a wide base of information to be researched, but there isn't much depth in the amount of information as far as I could find. Maybe one or two articles that actually got down into things versus say Mesopotamia where you have countless different articles that get really deep into, you know, the culture and the history and all that kind of thing. So uh, most of these traditional beers, as we've seen with Mesopotamia or even China, they're going to be opaque, meaning cloudy and thick, can't see through them. 
uh, but thicker than this, for sure. Thicker than this double dry hop. Yeah, Going to be to the point of almost like a milkshake or a porridge in many instances. That's interesting. Yeah. Because that's uh, what we were finding over in like, oh yeah, again, Mesopotamia, and then even like some of the chi- Chinese beers. Right. Um, drunk, usually, usually using a straw to drink it, to sift out the hulls of the grains used, uh, usually. Uh, we, we, we'll start with just like a quick go over of Umkambodi, which is um, a, a beer of a sorghum beer uh, from the Bantu people which is itself an extremely vast, diverse group of people in sub-Saharan Africa uh, from the Central African uh, Republic all the way down to South Africa. Many different tribes, many different dialects, many different ethnic groups. It's a a very wide term. Uh, But here's some quick notes uh, as a refresher from our Umkambodi episode, uh, we said most African cultures, both what goes into the utensils, the beer, and the utensils themselves were made by women. Uh, these activities were symbolic with the creative and productive abilities of women. Uh, together with meat and tobacco, it was regarded as an essential offering to the ancestors and is believed to be to facilitate contact with them. Thus, it is generally poured on the ground as libation for the ancestors. In Zulu culture specifically, after beer was made, it was usually left in a cool, dark place known as an umsamo for the ancestors to taste. And it was believed that the ancestors will not recognize any ceremony without traditional beer. And so we see once again uh, the culture and belief system of of a of a group of people really revolving around the alcohol. Uh, Basotho, which is another ethnic group of Bantu people there um, from South Africa, uh, they used to set aside unstrained beer for certain rituals that were performed to keep the ancestors away from the living relatives if they were uh, if they had interfered negatively in their lives so as we've seen with basically any ancient civilization beer is front and center in their belief system in their customs and practices very important part and it usually has something to do either with some type of divine uh, connection mm-hmm. or something involved with the life beyond ours, uh, beyond the living for, you know, for, in a sense. Um, so, you know, as we're, as we're running through these lists and, and uh, talking about all this, one of the things I've wanted to try to do with the series was, tie in ways that modern like brewing companies could do more with beer i guess is the lack of better word and one of the best like examples i have for this is right here you know as we're talking about like this um the 
Bantu like group of people and we're talking about this area that was covered, right? Um, I see the African Great Lakes come up and I, I know Great Lakes Brewing Company did a Black is Beautiful beer. They donated to like the NAACP uh, Cleveland branch, I, I believe it was. And they were active in that role and what became a very trendy you know, thing to do is be a part of Black is Beautiful because everyone was looking looking for it. Uh, but I, I do see an opportunity for them to, you know, break out beyond the borders of that, like the traditional region when we think about like our Great Lakes, you know, and, and try to do something that's a little more worldwide and, and try to expand the story or the narrative of uh, craft beer or beer in general, I guess. I like how you... Uh... Like how I'm just like, here are facts. Here are all the facts. These are facts. This is information. And you're like, so I, I saw Great Lakes and I, it took me on this journey where I'm just thinking about Great Lakes brewing. And you just like, you're like, you, whichever, I think left and right brain, like we're definitely the one side of the brain and the other side of the brain. <laughs> if I ever get this onto YouTube, I'm putting myself over on that side of the brain I'll, I'll do the research and from now yeah, we'll, on that's we'll figured out that's where we will stay that's right <laughs> we can never expand or change that's no. it much like an ancient grain <laughs> we're like ancient grains man <laughs> we must be on that ancient grain okay uh <laughs> moving on uh ancient egypt this is exciting for me. Um, so, like, let's take a look at this. It is thought beer was introduced to Egypt through trade with Mesopotamians um, and breweries sprung up all over Egypt. So this is kind of where we left off with the last episode, I, I believe, right? Yeah, this was kind of like our connection. We had Mesopotamia. This is the connection to Africa. We see it in Mesopotamia and spread down back into Africa. I say back into because we all know life came from Africa, human life. <laughs> right. So, so again, we have another case of like, and I know we've talked about this already, but the first brewers were female and, the, and this is uh, where we can start looking into some of these deities that we were talking about earlier and the goddess Hathor. I'm I say Hathor probably wrong. Yeah, probably wrong. Every time we say something, just assume we are wrong and just go to Google and hit the little like speaker button next to it and hear how it's supposed to be said. I guess that's what we could have done. We could have. But where's the fun in that? Um, but it was associated with brewers and beer. However, primary goddess was probably uh, the primary goddess, and this was Tenetit? Tenetit? Tenetit, maybe? Tenetit? Yeah, and that's from the Egyptian word for... Beer, right? Tenemu? Ten, yeah, tenemu, tenemu, I would say. And that's just one of the many terms for beer. All right. And then we see this go up in like the chain of like gods. And Art of Brewing was first taught to her by Os Osiris. And Osiris is like, as far as Egyptian deities are concerned, he's like, he's the guy. The guy. He's yeah, the like, guy. Now, I'm more confident on saying that name properly yes <laughs> that, that's one that's one everyone's heard of right 
but yeah, I'll I'll definitely drop a link for all these gods in the uh, the bio or the show description so you can take a look and explore. Absolutely, man. Because it's not so much about the gods themselves, but maybe their involvement with beer and how this corresponds to religion and beer in these uh, ancient civilizations. Right. What do they represent to the people of ancient Egypt? So this next like talking point on here really stood out to me and I kind of like this and it's the point of excess drinking only being appropriate under certain conditions so you know no drunk workers um and no like drinking to the point of like bar fights and shit like that could you imagine an ancient egyptian bar fight that would be nuts (laughs) It probably is very, it's, it, it, you know, I think we like mystify these people sometimes. Um, but come on, like, they're, they're, they're normal people. They were still people. They're normal people. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where it's, I, I think about that often. It's like, well, we're looking at this people and what they left behind and we, they can't speak to us for themselves you know what i mean they can't say no no well no this isn't actually what this says or no this is this isn't actually what we mean this is actually what we mean or this is actually what happened they can't do that um you know i i liken it to like in two thousand years say someone comes across an old tiktok video i'd be like thank god that's over with Or maybe they're like, wow, why didn't this catch on? Why do you? <laughs> that, that TikTok thing was pretty. Or it's like one of those things like, oh, so the, this is some religious. Uh, this is this is like a, a, a religious service of a sort. It's a religious ritual of TikTok. TikTok. Yes. We, we found this religion. And it was called TikTok. We believe we're saying it right. Go Google it for the little translation. Um, yeah, Google will still be, that'll be the only thing still around is right, Google. It's <laughs> still relevant. Google. Uh, <laughs> but even taking it back to like me saying like ancient Egypt bar fight, right? Uh, I always think about like black and white photography, like when color didn't exist, quote unquote, or like old, like silent films. You, you see these things and just like, what does that even look like? But then you're literally standing in the same location and it's all in color and just having to really like that for some reason blows my mind every time I think about like old stuff. Cause then when we're talking about different moments in history, I see black and white. I only see black and white in my head and I have to like, no, it's like, no, damn. like, yeah, it looks like this. Colors. It's yeah. as beautiful outside mm-hmm. as right now as it was back then and uh i think that's even true about the beauty of these beers that were being made bam tie it together see there you go with the artistic stuff again <laughs> barley bread barley bread <laughs> baked barley bread uh yeah we we talked about this uh in the last episode where barley bread was used as the base for uh for these, for some of these beers that were, that are really old Mesopotamian, Egypt, ancient Egyptian, um, Bapir Bipar, that was that discussion. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I still don't know exactly which one it is. Not a clue. 
not one clue. Uh, but I, f I found this, and this was this speaks back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with beer having multiple names in ancient Egypt. Uh, this quote from the article from Egypt, uh, beer traveled to Greece as evidenced by the similarity of another of the Egyptians word for beer, Zetum, that's Z-Y-T-U-M, and the ancient Greek for the beverage, Zithos. Uh, which I found really cool because it's like, yeah, motherfuckers, y'all didn't think of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't get it from the Mesopotamians either. And that and that region, which right. is interesting because I I took some I took a Greek mythology course in college and it's interesting because some of that as we discussed last time even, some of their uh mythology is actually directly pulled and adapted from the Near East in in that area. Um but I found it very interesting here that no, the Greeks actually got brewing from uh the egyptians mm -hmm. uh, from africa so i thought that was really cool um the greeks uh however as the romans after them uh favored strong wine over beer and considered the grainy brew an inferior drink of barbarians so is this where we see the elitism of current culture between wine drinkers and beer yep. drinkers. Oh yeah, yeah. And if it's Roman, it's it's up here, man. That's it. You know, that's how that's that's exactly how it is. And it, and it's very interesting because uh, here is where like the world history comes into into play. Here, it's almost like it's almost like the the beer scene that popped up in Europe later was almost. Uh, it's it's like one of the dark ages type thing. It's like there was beer and then there was a dark age where it was just wine. We'll call it a red age maybe. And then uh, <laughs> a Moscato age. Pink? Yeah. Yeah, right. Zinfandel. Was college. The pink Moscato age? Was that college? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I didn't drink. I drank box wine once ever in my life. I had pink Moscato this weekend. I ain't even a front. Like... <laughs> I love that shit. I had sake this weekend. It was great. Uh, moving on though, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get we will we will return to this kind of world history interaction with the Romans uh, later on. Uh, but that's kind of like a precursor to our discussion on what the hell happened. Okay. Uh, why why is there this? huge center around this beer this type of fermented alcoholic beverage and then all of a sudden it just it's just not uh so mo moving down uh into rwanda uh we have a few different drinks ikigake is one that i just could not find a lot of information on uh also called amarwa although i did see like Amalwa or Alarmwa, something like that, but I just couldn't find enough information on to really like nail down some points to add to it. Uh, the only thing I found was it was a, a beer made from malted sorghum. Also from Rwanda is Orwagwa. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I found this funny because, you know, when, when you go into Wikipedia and you type some of these words in, they are words in other languages. And sometimes the Wikipedia page will pop up in another language and you can translate it into English. And when I Googled Urwagwa and went to the Wikipedia page and then translated it to English, it literally translated, like the title of the page was called You Fall. <laughs> <laughs> which I just, which I just found fantastic. Oh, that is beautiful. I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, from time to time I do. <laughs> Especially if we're going to a festival with your dad. Look, again, if you listen to the podcast, you know that story and him taking those tasters like shots and us trying to foolishly keep up. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I don't five out five ounce tasters should not be taken like shots. That was shots aren't even taken like that. <laughs> exactly. That was um. So it was, yeah, it's pretty nuts. So we were definitely Irwagua that day. Uh, but this this particular this particular beer here, or or it's an ancient beer uh, in the Rwanda area, passed down through generations. As as you find with pretty much all of these beers, it's that kind of uh, story. Uh, but this one had an interesting process because it's made with bananas, which I found so interesting. Uh, the process basically is you, you take the, you have like this, uh, vat or this tank or whatever, this container. And you basically almost, it's almost like wine where you're just like pressing down on the grapes where here you're pressing on the bananas with the sorghum, uh, and you make this clear juice, uh, and that's your base. And you you pour in uh, the millet into that, and then that is the base that you ferment to create this beer: bananas, sorghum, and millet. And this is the first time I've come across bananas as a base for a beer. I'm not mad at it. I'm not. I'm not because uh, you know you need like a starch, right? You need a starch for the fermenting process and bananas are starchy as hell. And the history of bananas in Africa is a very interesting uh, thing as well, because they're obviously, they're not native to Africa. Uh, they're bananas, the banana plants native to uh, Asia actually. And they were introduced through the middle East. Uh, but that, that, that's an, that's an interesting story. You might get into on a, on a later episode, how the banana kind of, became this huge crop throughout the world mm. but uh it's 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 so cool to see bananas here uh, i thought i thought that was really uh really cool uh, yeah i want to add this uh version of beer or this process of making beer into one that we should try uh urwagwa we yeah. let's do it Let's do it. Let's make that list. Yeah, heard it here. Aragua is at the top of the list. And that's the other thing. Like, there's a lot of uh, beers on here, a lot of drinks on here from uh, the article that I pulled their names and just slight information on their ingredients from that literally goes into deep detail. And you can, some of these you can actually find deep detail on the 
brewing process itself and we could actually like a step by step so we could make a good attempt at a lot of these uh, that is the one piece of information that is actually pretty readily available is how to make these so i'm i'm thankful for that it's just how old are these processes we don't know right um but the enzymes from the uh, from the banana or the enzymes in the sorghum uh, is what promotes the fermentation in the banana starch. So you kind of need those two to work together to, for the fermentation to happen. Uh, really interesting to me. I just I found that so cool. And there is actually another banana beard uh, down below, I believe. Uh, but that was that's it for the for Rwanda. Uh, now we get into Sudan. Um, this is this is the big one because the their beer marissa or marisa maybe uh is a very interesting beer indeed because i believe it is one of the only traditional african beers that is clear oh it's filtered and it's actually a clear beer which you don't see a lot especially in older uh more traditional uh processes so so that would definitely be more complex of a beer complex for sure tyler because uh as as this article quote that i'm about to read suggests in sudan there are perhaps 30 to 50 opaque beer types uh with different but related brewing method the area seems uh to be a center for a diverse for the diversity of sorghum beers and perhaps the art of brewing of opaque beers traveled to East Africa from this region. So right here we have an idea of maybe this is like an epicenter of brewing. Mm. And I believe it's the uh, Marissa. No, it's actually the other beer from Sudan. That's the clear beer. The Marissa is just a, a standard traditional opaque type beer uh what's interesting about the marissa is that it is one of the most complex brewing processes even by western standards really yes uh it's this quote opaque beers are commonly brewed in africa but procedures vary the bring of marissa in sudan is probably the most complicated and advanced of all it has over a dozen steps I tried reading through it, but it, it's a lot. It's a lot that goes into making that particular beer. So that one might go at the bottom of the list yeah, for us to no, try. We'll, we'll save that for later. We're going <laughs> to screw that up. It's going to have like something crawling out of it by the end of it. <laughs> it's going to be crawling away. <laughs> like, kill me. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure I left this somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up into the middle of the night. Just hear oh, this God. knocking on the door. Shit. Oh, God. See? Religious. Yeah. <laughs> so the Asalia, 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 that's the clear beer from Sudan. Oh, okay. Uh, Marissa will still be the opaque, the traditional opaque beer with a super complex process. Asilia, Asilia will be the clear beer. 
uh, and I have this quote here, clear beers are not common in Africa and the literature gives reports only on Otika of Nigeria and Amba of Cameroon as other types of clear beers. Uh, the Sudan has a clear sorghum or millet beer called Asalia or Umbilbil, Umbilbil, Umbilbil. I'm horrible at pronunciating anything. No, it's okay. I it just, again, my mind and how it works as we're going through these lists. Um, I am terrible with like geography, right? Visually, like just like placing everything sometimes but i wonder if there would be a way and like just add this to the list of things we say we're gonna do and don't often get to uh-huh but i know google maps has like really cool features where you can just like pinpoints and make little notes about stuff it'd be really cool to turn the series into those google map points and just have these like little dings of history all over the map history and culture yeah, yeah i'm this is uh extremely fascinating and if you want to join the alternative blacks team and just create a section of that on the website because you know how to do it and don't mind doing it for free hit us up hit us up or cash up tyler always cash up tyler <laughs> what you need to take away from this episode screw the history cash up tyler well you know so i don't have the notes here uh just like abruptly going back into the information uh these the beer the Mar marissa this out of it it specified uh south sudan okay um and there is kind of a cultural uh history there of turbulence a little bit um where marissa was actually outlawed for a while i believe uh through my reading and it and it's because the northern half of Sudan is primarily uh, is primarily Islamic, mm -hmm. uh, where you're not going to have any type of alcohol uh, for certain sects of uh, Islam. They're out. They outlawed alcohol of any kind, and so you see where you know there's a, like this clash here, where the South Sudan is more of the uh, the pagan traditional. Uh, ideologies and cultures and so there, there there's there's a clash here and i'm sure this it's not just in in the sudan um but i i found that i found that particularly interesting where uh once again world history is kind of coming in and pushing pushing beer down man it's a weird weird and like push out of history it, it really is but that's okay because there's more beer to be had. Oh, <laughs> we only scratched the surface. We only scratched the surface. So moving down into uh, Zimbabwe, uh, they have Doro, Chikubu. I'm going to attempt this one. Wahua, probably. <laughs> Mbamba and Utswala. So it's a sorghum beer and the the name that you call it depends on uh the region of the country that you're in and as with a lot of these beers it's usually a red sorghum that's used mm -hmm. there's white sorghum but uh i've found mostly it's red sorghum yeah um, i was just looking through this list and i was just like oh this is really interesting just like 
the prevalency of sorghum like it's so just, it's it's in there for everything it's just like you know it's just like having wheat yeah in in our beers here or whatever base grain you're going to use uh really it's 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 prevalent to a level of just hops in today's beer right um, and obviously the hops are added specifically for for taste not necessarily to actually brew a beer you could brew a beer without hops as you see yeah uh, uh, I, I think this is really interesting too and like i i get when sometimes when i got off on my tangents on on beer and like there's so much more complexity and like more ways that it can be brewed and we're talking about north american beer primarily and, and i get it like we're, we're making beer based off of a process that's primarily easier to make like here with what we get right um versus some of these other like regions depending on some other things whatever x y and z uh but i, I still think it's worth looking into you know like these these other like ingredients and how how they can come into play i'm not saying every single one of these breweries in like north america need to be using all these ingredients that it doesn't necessarily make sense to be using regionally however the whole thing for me with craft beer is it's we're making all these varieties of beers. Look at our brewery. We have this huge beer list uh, of all these different things that you can try. And they're all IPAs. Yeah. And we're supposed to be going out on this limb of, you know, look how creative we are, you know, and it's just like, how creative is it really now, especially for a newer brewery to come in and say, I made this triple IPA with Simcoe hops. Wow. Groundbreaking I, stuff, guys. Like you're really standing out. I definitely would try it, but <laughs> oh yeah, I would try it. But it's like if that's if that's what you're going to continuously offer us in terms of being creative, you know, then then now now we're just thinking, okay, how good is this beer? Oh, it's not that much greater than everything else. Okay, I'm not going to go out of my way to go get this beer. But if someone came out with a sorghum millet beer, maybe unfiltered, maybe thicker. And, and the thing is, I think I personally, and I know a lot of people that try like craft beer, tend to have their eyes gravitate towards ingredients or words that they're not used to seeing in the description. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if someone saw red sorghum on the list, you know, or, or the beer is called Doro mm -hmm. and it just says sorghum beer next to it. Like someone's going to go, huh? Wow. Like, what is that? Right. You know, how, how you know, what, what did you do to create this beer? And they'll, and they'll probably try it. So it's definitely, and, and this isn't even speaking to, you know, just honoring like tradition and historical perspective. This is literally just like from bottom dollar type stuff, right. because sometimes that's the only way to get things across to people. Mm -hmm, for sure. And so, no, I just thought that that was an interesting uh, point as we're looking through and like, you know, seeing sorghum be, especially that one word for me, at least that's been the 
keeps popping up, keeps popping up. I know we have like the millet and the maize that also pop up very often with this, but but it's sorghum, uh, baby. Sorghum keeps maybe it's because I'm more familiar with it, but I mean, I know maize like maize, I've known that word before sorghum, so that's not even the case there. So, right. So, uh, to show you how prevalent it is, as we continue on, just just the sheer amount of sorghum everywhere. Uh, in Burkina Faso, they have Dolo, which is a red sorghum uh, beer, very similar to the Ikigage of Sudan. Uh, Nigeria, they will have a, I call it Pito, Pito, uh, bur- or Burukutu, uh, which is a red or white sorghum malt and or maize, so it can be either or. Uh, Cameroon was the Amba or Bill, Billy Billy, Billy Billy probably. Um, and I think Amba, 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 yeah, that, 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 that one's tough for me. Um, I believe that was one of the clear beers. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was one of the clear, the clear beers. Uh, one of, one of very, very few, uh, in, in Benin and Togo, you have, Chukoto, Chukoto, red or brown sorghum malt, and uh, brown sorghum. That's not one that I that I've that I see a lot in mm-hmm. in all of these. Um, Mkomboti also uh, in Benin and Togo, South Africa and Lesotho. Uh, you'll have Jawala, which is uh, a Basotho maize beer, as we discussed before. Basotho is a type or type is is a is a sub group of bantu people uh so i i that was one of the few maize beers that popped up that strictly this is a maize beer is a corn beer mm. boom uh kenya th- this one was interesting Chang changa changa uh it's more of like a home a distilled spirit made from these grains so it's almost it's like the Everclear of Kenya, I guess. It, it was like, out. Get a scoop out of the t- uh, the tub. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, this is one of those things where they were just people. People would add just add shit to it. Like modern day, people just add shit to it to make it super potent. Like I don't know, WD forty or like like you know oil or like crazy shit like that. So I found I just found that very interesting. So where you put your face to it, it might go blind. Yeah, it's like that stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's definitely like some, uh, like that definitely reminds me of some like uh, moonshine type stuff. Right. Okay. So this next one really jumps off the page to me. And this would be the one that like, if I saw this on a beer list, like fuck everything else, I would want to try this. Botswana? Yeah. Go ahead. You you're into it. Go yeah, for yeah. It. I'll go for it. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, I didn't want to disrupt your your pattern. Um, but uh, well, how would you pronounce this, Katie? I would. Kadi? I would go Kadi. Kadi. Uh, and base is a mash of fermented wild berries, fruits, wild pumpkins, wild tuberous. Tuberous. Yeah, you know, my mom was a reading specialist. Wild <laughs> Cerberus roots, sugar, sorghum, and maize. 
And if that does not sound fantastic. Oh, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds fantastic for sure. It reminded me very much of uh, one of the Chinese uh beers that we that we uh covered a few episodes ago just having you know wild berries and fruits it's probably sweeter you have the sugar um and then the grain at the end but just yeah i would try this in a heartbeat yeah i'm sorry i'm just like google you're trying to find you're trying to find if you can get a six pack <laughs> yeah where can i get this beer and of course i'm like on this page of like science like jargon and my mind is being blown um let's continue down this list yes let's uh so we have the central african republic with hydromel hydromel uh similar to mead translates to water honey hmm. so uh I th- that's interesting i i don't know that there was any other honey bases maybe one but i think that, that that's probably like the only one that that uh that i saw as like a as a mead type or honey base because that, that as is pretty well documented mead is the original alcoholic beverage mm-hmm. uh followed by beer later so uh that that one that one's pretty cool. Uh Ethiopia Ethiopia has Arak or Arake, which is a distilled drink. Tala, I don't know what Tala is. Isn't it wait, isn't Tala right there? Isn't that the base consist of Tef and Swergum? Ah yes. Yeah, yeah. Show notes, baby. Show notes. So as Tala, I scroll down, yeah, yeah. as I, as I scroll down, Tala would be the, as I said, the bases uh, consists of tough and sorghum. It's dried and ground shiny leaf buckthorn leaves, are, and those buckthorn leaves are used for the fermentation. And the fermentation vessel is often smoked over dried olive wood or rosewood, giving it a very like smoky flavor. And again, we see it being like made and sold by rural woman yeah usually to get by you know it, it, it's very interesting it's kind of one of those uh overarching things where these are in rural areas made by women usually and it's usually for for profit just you know to get by uh it's interesting i missed i missed the tala section when i was running through these when it running through the notes but uh Moving down into uh, Uganda, we have Tonto, which is made by ripening green bananas in a pit for several days. The juice is then extracted, filtered, and diluted before being mixed with ground and roasted sorghum. Uh, This mixture is fermented for two to four days, similar to the ancient beer in Rwanda. So, So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you just brought up because I was like, the bananas stuck out to me again. Yeah, so here we have another banana beer. Uh, really interested in how these like turned out, uh, and also interesting because bananas, banana as a beer, is one of those things where you actually come across that today quite frequently. 
where bananas are being used oh, yeah. for something as a flavoring. So I'm wondering, okay, what's a beer that's actually like bananas as the base of it? How do, how does that translate? Interested to see. Uh, Uganda also has Mwenga, uh, which might be the same as Tonto. Maybe, uh, maybe it's just a different uh, area of the country that uh, that calls it something different, kind of like we saw up uh, up earlier, I believe, in Zimbabwe. Uh, we have Marumba, also a banana and sorghum beer. Higher ABV, though. So, hey, all right, that's another reason I would probably just <laughs> it would stick out to me. <laughs> Am I the only one that does that sometimes? Like, and sometimes Ooh, that's twelve percent. It's, it's by accident. It just so happens that the description is just like, "Whoa, that sounds great." Oh, it's twelve percent. Well, yeah, that's why it sounds great. <laughs> just gonna blur the description is just have the ABVs for you. Oh, this one sounds great. What do you like about it? Oh, it's 30%. Uh, so moving on, uh, still in Uganda here, they have Marwa, uh, which is uh, the base consists of a dried millet. The Ateslo people drink Marwa during celebration, celebrational ceremonies, uh, such as naming a child, marriage, elections, funerals, and harvests. Uh, once again, coming back to Beer being a ceremonial thing, being part of the religion slash customs of a people. Uh, we have Kwit or Kwite, also in Uganda, uh, specifically northern Uganda. And this is this one has a base of sorghum and is brewed using yeast, which is very interesting. You don't see a lot of uh Beer specifying yeast as the uh, as the fermenting agent, as you will, if you yeah. will. And then Musuli, uh, don't have much information on that, but it was also named as a Ugandan uh, as Ugandan beer. Uh, and then the last country that we have here is Ghana, uh, with Pito and Borokutu again. Uh, the Pito is millet and sorghum left to ferment for 24 hours. Uh, then it's filtered and boiled. Uh, and the burukutu is uh, actually uh, maize, guinea corn, as it's called, and uh, millet. And that's left uh, to mature for 48 hours. So that beats pita by 24 hours. No, I'm kidding. I'll see you 24 and raise you. <laughs> yeah, to 48. And then the last drink we have here is Akpateshi, distilled from raffia palms and sugarcane, which is completely unique to anything else uh, that's been listed here so far. Uh, with British colonization, local brewing of Akpateshi was outlawed in the early 1930s. Oh, surprise, surprise, huh? Wait, why? I'm, I'm so confused by this. Is it just because... Fuck oh. you were British or yeah, yeah, pretty much well, it's British, Tyler. That's that's pretty much their whole stick. This was the uh this is barbaric. Yeah. Like I, I just that, just that's... a way to oppress a people. Right. You yeah. know, especially as we've seen, if they're so uh 
if if this drink was like other drinks were uh, very important to the culture or the customs of the people, a great way to oppress them would be to outlaw this, especially if it's used as something to kind of relieve stress or, you know, seen as a benefit. Look, the more I learn about history, especially when it comes to alcohol, the more I get why like prohibition just didn't work. Um, you could have just read up on prohibition to know why prohibition didn't work. Right. But it's just like, I am trying to imagine my reaction and maybe this isn't like a good look on me my reaction to be like hearing like oh by the way you're never allowed to drink beer again violence violence and anger (laughs) yeah you get into a bar fight anyway right to be like me hearing like holding a beer hearing this happen and be like gulp 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 smash because you got to finish the beer first. yeah right? you got to finish it you got to finish you don't it. just smash the full bottle well if you're any kind of upstanding citizen <laughs> you'd finish the bottle i'd be horrible as like that actor in the scene where like someone gets mad and smashes the bottle like even if it's fake like a fake beer i'd be like kung, kung, kung. tyler you got to break the beer in that moment like who would do that i, I just wouldn't be able to break that character I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but speaking to the frustration of this type of oppression, uh, a quote from SS Dots, Dotse probably, uh, about life under British rule. Our, uh, our contention was that the drink was the white man, the drink the white man brought is the same as ours. The white man's contention was that ours was too strong. Bunch of losers. Before the white men came, we were using Akpateshi, but when they came, they banned it probably because they wanted to make sales on their own liquor. And so we were calling it Kapotomenul. Uh, when you had a visitor whom you knew very well, then you ordered that Potomenul be brought. This is Akpateshi, but it was never referred to by name. So this is classic. We're going to steal your shit, rename it, make it our shit, and then throw it back in your face. Classic British people. Classic British people. What a way to kind of close out the list of local drinks. Uh, An infuriating and frustrating closeout, honestly. And it kind of flows into our closing here. Where we, where we kind of uh, want to get to uh, on the next episode of kind of uh, why we did all of this and, you know, where was that disconnect at in terms of we see all of this tradition. We saw all of this tradition in Mesopotamia. We see all of it branched out in China and South America. Uh, what happened? What happened? And where can we go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that will be a lot of fun just to have a quick wrap up and discuss, you know, even our takeaways from what we've learned, uh, how this affects the way we look at craft beer and breweries, even in our local areas. You know, as I said earlier, can't necessarily expect and hold all these breweries to, you know, 
why aren't you using these ingredients? Why aren't you doing this and that? Um, but I, I definitely, it, it does challenge, I think us as consumers and who knows, maybe brewery owners one day to, to reimagine what like craft beer and like consuming beer and making beer, what that process looks like, how it can be more communal and how it can affect a community in a larger way than thought or imagined before. Before, since. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. I was going to put that caveat in there. I was like, ah, maybe they'll understand. But Chris, you, you... Well, before, you know, since it was, you know, taken away. Dare I say gentrified. Still happening. Right. But dude, yeah. So, that whole dude that that just I don't know why that just connected in my brain to what we were just discussing with the Akpateshi. It's like literally, literally, like gentrification. Boom, we came into your area, brought our own shit. Now we're profiting off of your shit, repackaged as our shit in your area. It's the same playbook. Same playbook. Same playbook. <laughs> Every single time. Every single time. All right. So I, I think this was a great episode. This one was so, it, it's so interesting to me because it was so much more expansive in terms of an area, like area that was covered. Yeah. But because of what we talked about earlier in the episode in terms of how history was recorded and what information is available to today, I guess. Um, we were able to condense this into this one episode. And I think this was really interesting. And uh, I just, I want to thank everybody who made it to the end as always, because we, we appreciate you. Uh, hope you are getting something out of this. We're going to close this up in the next episode, uh, which will be out in another like two weeks or so. Uh, yeah. You have any last thoughts? Uh, black people love beer. Yeah. Crowns and hops. Africa. I love that name more and more as like yeah, yeah. I, I think about it. But yeah, uh, you can hit us up on Patreon to get early access of these episodes. Uh, you can always catch us on Instagram Live, which will usually be every other week, 7 p.m. Um, I think last week's was 7.30. I think I had a meeting. Uh, as I'm speaking about the future, as it's the past or whatever. Uh <laughs> Stop breaking the fourth wall. Why not? It's my favorite thing to do. Anyways, thank you so much. We'll be back next time. And until next time. Peace.